Hi everyone, this is Amy, and you're listening to Growing Up Gilmore. Season 3, Episode 3, Application Anxiety. Hello everyone, this is Amy. We are back after a little bit of a hiatus, and I have Bryn here with me today. Hi, I am not Elise. (laughs) We, um... Our schedules are a little crazy right now because we have the play, the musical opened now. We've had two weekends of performances. We have one weekend left. And I've had conferences and working overnights and it's just been a little hard to mesh. So Bryn is going to do this episode with me and uh, he said it's very relevant to things happening right now. So I'm interested to see what that means. Yeah, I live here, so I didn't really have an out for this episode. But right, thank that's you. Because okay. anybody else that I would have asked is in the producers. Right. So couldn't do that. Well, and Mary, but Mary is getting ready to audition for her own thing. Yeah, so, everyone's got something. Mm-hmm. So here we are. You live with me, so you're stuck with me. Yeah, I was trying to remember what the last episode was that I was on, and I remember that it was the last one. So. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it should be still, like, fresh in your mind, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay, well, as we are getting into this episode, um, I think this is a great one for Bryn and I to talk about because the opening is one of my favorites just solely just for what they're watching on television but we'll Mm -hmm. get into that so uh let's get into the writer and director for this episode so for this episode we have the writer is dan paladino um we know him well yeah did he write other episodes or oh yeah he's written tons of episodes oh i wonder if he's related to amy sherman paladino Okay, see, I thought you weren't joking at first, and I was like, I know he says he listens to the podcast. Well, I don't listen to the ones I'm on. So. Sure, fair. Uh huh. Yeah, I think they are not related. They're married. Well, yeah. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then our writer is Gail Mancuso, and we've seen her before. Um, she wrote The Red Light on Wedding Night and lost and found and then future episodes in season three are dear emily and richard and happy birthday baby um she also wrote many episodes of modern family 30 rock that 90s show um i'm thinking there has to be a connection here because she wrote for roseanne like 54 episodes of roseanne Mm -hmm. and amy sherman palladino wrote for roseanne um, she also wrote for the Connors, the like spinoff. And um, she wrote for one of my favorite shows, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which has Kristen Ritter. And she actually is in season seven of Gilmore Girls. Who does she play in season she seven? She plays one of the girls, uh, Marty's girlfriend, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And then um, she also wrote, I think, a little under 20 episodes of Friends. Did she write any of season nine of Roseanne? Because that's supposedly like one of the worst seasons of television. 
I don't think so. I didn't look that closely into it. That's the one where... That's the one where she wakes up and they realize they... That Dan had a heart attack and she wrote a book. Yeah. And it's just a total, like... Because that season starts with Dan recovering from the heart attack and then they, like, win the lottery. Yeah. Mm, It's just bad. Yeah. It's just not great Speaking of friends, I think this is the first one we're recording since Matthew Perry passed away. Yeah, you're right. I know. It's kind of a bummer. That's a huge bummer. Um, Matthew Perry was my favorite character on Friends. Not Chandler, Matthew Perry. Well, yeah, Chandler. Um, I just really resonated with his cynicism. I think everyone did. sarcasm. And... um, it's really, really unfortunate. That's like the sense of humor for an entire generation. Yeah, absolutely. Really. Absolutely. It's just, it's so sad. And it's, we're starting to get to the point now where like a lot of the sitcoms that we watched, like those actors are getting older. Yeah. And he was still way too young. Yeah. Like 54. That's yeah. really young. Well, and he's also not even, I mean, he's the first friend to die, but mm-hmm. uh, Gunther died recently too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he died was, right after the reunion. And he was kind of like, he, the was, on, sick. he was like the honorary mm-hmm. member yeah. of the main cast. So Yeah. So I've been seeing a lot of really great um, pictures that people have created of like Matthew Perry. And I need, I don't know what the actor's name is. That played Gunther. I can't oh, remember. Oh, of them like reuniting. Yeah, of yeah. them like reuniting and um, like really sweet things. Uh, when we went to the studio tour, yeah. we got to sit on the orange couch. I can share that picture on our Instagram, but yeah. that was really fun. And just before we get off the topic of Matthew Perry, we should point out because this is something I guess he had talked about was when he died, he didn't want to just be remembered for friends. No. But he did a lot of you know charity work and advocacy for alcoholics because he had a huge struggle with alcoholism his entire life i think Mm -hmm. he set up a foundation they actually his parents set up a foundation okay in his name now yeah so definitely something to look into and i can provide a link for that yeah so a lot description a lot more to him than just the funny guy oh absolutely absolutely uh thank you bryn for plugging that because i think that is important to remember that you know, even like if we look at other people who have died, like the first person I think of is um, Mr. Rogers. Oh, sure. Okay. So we remember Mr. Rogers as Mr. Rogers neighborhood and, and different things like that. And like his legacy lives on with like Daniel Tiger and, you know, that kind of thing. But there were a lot of things that he did, like he really fought for public television Mm -hmm. for children for years and years and you know there wouldn't be great children programming on public television if it wasn't for mr rogers right so it's really it's important to like look at all aspects of the person um and remember them for all of the things that they contributed yeah and everyone has like dark dark pasts or dark things and Mm -hmm. it just shapes who we are and and why we're here today and it just depends on you know how we use that to shape who we are yeah and that's why we're here to talk about gilmore girls 
Right. Yeah, exactly. So this episode, Application Anxiety, we get the application letter for Harvard and we discover um, that she she's being told that it is important for her to meet with an alumni of Harvard and um, kind of talk to them about like their experience at the college and then also just so someone at the university like knows who she is and can speak highly of her and I think that's a really weird concept yeah I mean there's that expression it's who you know absolutely oh yeah absolutely I think like this show is really good at exposing kind of the underbelly of quote-unquote high society Mm -hmm. and how much of it really is just connections and knowing the right people and being born into the right family and all this kind of stuff yeah and i mean yeah there will be a lot to talk about there but Mm -hmm. yeah well should we get into it yes we should okay let's do it all right so our episode starts with Rory and Lorelai watching the Brady Bunch Hour. The Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Variety Hour. And it's the first episode, too, we just looked up and found out. Yeah, because I was curious what song they were singing. I don't think they got many more episodes of that. I don't think so either, um, because that was after the Brady Bunch had stopped. Yeah, and that's like Jan was someone different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think Cindy was, too. Yeah, probably. I just remember Simpsons parodying it with the Simpsons Variety Hour, and oh, it yeah. opens up with Kent Brockman saying, the family that doesn't know the meaning of the word canceled. Well, and they do that same joke on Family Guy, and they replace Meg. Remember? They have a yeah. Variety Hour. Yeah. And they pick... Or that's, and then the, Meg... that's the reality show. Oh, yeah. They do. And then... No, they do a Variety Hour, well, too, yeah, and Meg gets, too. like, a makeover. Yeah, And that's okay, when she right. looks really pretty or whatever. Yeah yeah they've done yeah there i mean there's like eight thousand episodes of family guy i love the brady bunch though yeah that is one of my favorite nick at night shows of all time and i love that they love the brady bunch too yeah it seems very up their alley yeah definitely laugh at yeah so while they're watching this their mailman opens their front door and puts their mail on like a side table did you catch what the mailman's name was no did you? No. Oh. I just know they said it. And yeah. I've immediately forgotten it. Yeah. And you notice they left the door open too. Well, the mailman like tried to close the door and I don't think it latched and it just like swung back open. Gotta love that small town security. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I'm like, in what town does a mailman go through? Just open your front door and leave the mail. Right. Yeah. But also why would they be going to the mailbox? So there has to be some way to get this big envelope right yeah so this is what they settle on so they get a big envelope and rory says her application to harvard has arrived and she says it's a pretty big h isn't it and lorelei is like yeah it's very (laughs) and they're talking about how like she had to be watching the brady bunch variety hour when the the letter (laughs) arrived i don't i'm glad people don't know what i'm doing when i get like news yeah i mean half the time it's you know when i'm in the bathroom or something yeah totally or i just like woke up from a nap and i'm like oh yeah totally yeah no i think 
for her though this is like a very monumental moment yeah not even the moment that she got in it's the moment that she got the the application the application and just to spoil the next scene but they like Lorelai is looking over the questions and she's like oh no the first question on the application is what were you doing when you got this it's worth <laughs> 50 points yeah. and I you know when I applied for college it was online you didn't do it this way yeah and now when you apply for college a lot of universities will tell you right away if you got in yeah and I'm like well this is not exciting and this is Ivy League right know. yeah true yeah, because um, yeah, I'm not an Ivy League I student. will say, I the only application I ever remember doing is for Spalding, which was my grad school, mm-hmm. which, you know, is for a master's, so that was already a bit more involved. Anyway. Yeah. But my college history before that was I had a scholarship to Dunwoody, so the application process was, like, totally a formality. Mm-hmm. Um, that went nowhere, and I yeah. went to North Hennepin, where pretty much all you have to do is show up. And I think by the time I applied, because I went to Mankato, mm-hmm. and I think by the time I applied there, I already had my associate's degree from North Hennepin. Sure. So I think that already also kind of made it a formality, because it's like clearly... Yeah, you already have you something. Know, you've, yeah. you've met a bar. Right. So... Yeah, no, I I think too with Ivy League, it's probably very different, where it's set up to be a little bit more official feeling fancy feeling i don't know yeah but um so she gets her big harvard letter and they decide that um she's gonna tell everybody that she was reading um what did she say like dark darkness death or death darkness and lorelei was doing something cool too looking at a globe yeah yeah and so they agree that's what they'll tell people when everyone asks what she was doing when she got the application and i'm like i think more people would be like what were you doing when you found out you got accepted not the application yeah i think it does kind of work in this episode's favor though that it like builds up that they've built up every aspect of this so much because she's had her heart set on harvard for so long right we're in season three and they've been building this up since like episode one season one well and just even in the episode you find out like how rory wanted to go to harvard ever since she was a kid Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's it's like they really take every last step yeah yeah they they take us along for the ride Mm -hmm. so i mean here we are this is like the moment we've been waiting for for her for a long time and then just before we move into the next scene um i just thought it was funny that and i don't know if this has been the case in the other episodes in the theme song where when kirk is because kirk is now that's pretty new well so kirk is now considered a regular cast member for one so now he does show up in the opening credits Mm -hmm. but also i just love that the clip they use of him is him selling the hay hey there yeah. or whatever <laughs> the shampoo yeah or the skincare yeah. but then he said like don't put on your skin right yeah just a great like what a definitive kirk moment absolutely He's hustling something stupid and <laughs> getting away with it completely all right the next part has us with Lorelai and Rory sitting down at the table. They are talking about the application and going through each question. And Lorelai says, you need to have your name. You need to have um, 
your nickname. And she says, well, that's easy. That's Rory. And then Lorelai goes into this whole thing like, oh, well, I used to call you droopy drawers. And it's like a, a constant yeah. callback joke. Yeah. It's like, you know, I actually do really like this episode, especially for reasons I'm about to get into. But this is one of those like indulgent Gilmore Girls moments where it's like, uh, OK, you know. Yeah, totally. Because it just lasts forever. Yeah. Um, and then she says, oh, and here you need to say something about who your mother is. And she's like, breathtaking. Right. And then she gets to father, ostracized. Yeah. And it's like, let's just, we don't need this to be that dramatic. And okay? then she's like, write about an influential moment in your life. And she's like, how about that time I called you droopy drawers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, she has to pick somebody who had influence on her life. And Rory says, well, I could write about you. And she's like, or, you know, you could pick one of your authors. And she says, okay, well, how about Sylvia Plath? And they're like, eh, kind of sends the wrong message. Yeah. Um, at that point, Lane keeps coming in and out, and she's trying to write an advertisement for a new band. Yeah. Did, did we know she was here? No. Okay. She just, like, shows up. Yeah. Um, and... Currently, her ad is very long because she lists alphabetically all of the artists that she's influenced by. And they're like, uh, you need to really cut this list down. So she goes back in and works on it some more. Then she comes back out and she says, with 2000 words, this advertisement is going to cost me like $500. Yeah. And they're like, you know, you list David Bowie as a inspiration. Do you have to list all of his songs in order of how all you of rank his them. albums yeah. and then how you rank them yeah one through ten yeah and she's like uh, maybe i could cut that which i i really love and this is kind of why i think this is such a smart episode i really love how this mirrors exactly what rory is going through like mm -hmm. this this episode is just really good at layering all of these like subplots yeah yeah, that is an interesting point because Lane is kind of going through this whole ordeal of like, how do I categorize myself and present myself to right. these people? And Rory is kind of doing the same thing. Like, how do I categorize myself and present myself to Yale or excuse me, to Harvard? Yeah. And different. Um, it's not like a. it's different outcomes and it's different. Yeah. Um, What's the word? I'm I can't think of it. Different like goals or Yeah. Yeah. It's like the stakes are different. Yeah. Well but I, they are still working on similar things. Right. And I think it's interesting too how Lane is what she's, you know, putting herself out there for is a lot simultaneously much more like specific and niche and yet also way more broad because it's not like she's applying to join a specific band. She wants she's, she's just, to start her own band. Well, yeah, and, and she's just like putting out putting out there like, "Hey, I'm a drummer. If mm -hmm. you want to be in a band with me, like, you know." Yeah, and, and like, I and I think that that in itself holds a little bit more bravery than yeah. applying to Harvard. And I know applying to Harvard is like a big deal. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But to put yourself out there like, I'm a drummer and I want to be in a band. But it, like, And it is the difference too between like you're on a track versus, yeah. yep. you know, you're just trying to find yourself. Absolutely. Well, and I think that also begs to ask like, 
does Rory really know herself at this point? No. I think she kind of knows how she wants to present herself on paper. Yeah. But that doesn't mean she knows who she is. Yeah. And we're seeing that Lane really knows who she is and is trying to but doesn't make know, it. And she doesn't know how to like distill it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So there's like already some really good layering going on yeah, here, like you had said. And we love when Gilmore Girls is mirroring because, you know, it makes yeah. for a good episode. And I mean, Dan Palladino is going to know better than any other like guest writer what where yeah. the story is going and what needs to happen. Well, I think it's too, it's cool too, because I feel like it kind of sets up how Lane sort of becomes like a third main character in this show mm-hmm. because she has so many plots that are related to her and her band and her mom mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with the Gilmore girls. Yeah. Whereas like Emily and Richard, any of their plots almost always come back to something to do with Lorelai or Rory. Yep. Luke's plots almost always come back to something to do with Lorelai, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, it's really nice to see Lane finally getting, like, her own story. And she really does shine in season three. Um, It just doesn't end the way we want it to. Yeah, which, well, we'll We'll see. Yeah, exactly. So she's applying. Lane is applying. They're figuring out what the next step is for both of them. All right, we have this short little vignette kind of scene with Dean and Rory. They're eating breakfast together, and Rory asks if Dean wants to hang out this weekend, and he's like, you're not going to have any time to hang out. You're working on your application to Harvard all weekend. And I think it's funny that she's, like, trying to play it cool by, like, making plans, but we know that that's what she'll be spending her time on. Right. And I think it's it shows growth. I will give Dean credit. It shows growth that he is recognizing the importance of this for her. Because in the past, he was like, who cares about Harvard? Right. I actually, and again, something I'll have more to say on later. Because I think this is only one of two scenes with Dean mm-hmm. in this episode. But I actually, I kind of like Dean in this episode. But yeah. And I'll have more to say about when he shows up again later. But okay. I, I think he's, I, I think his mind is definitely messing with him a little. Yeah. He's getting in his own head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's good to like pay attention to that now. Cause that it starts to track a lot as yeah. we like continue through this season where you can tell when he's starting to kind of fall off the wagon a little bit. Yeah, and uh, what is Rory writing her essay on? Hillary Clinton. Yeah, this is such a fun little time capsule moment. I know. This is right after Hillary Clinton became senator of New York. Yeah. And Rory makes a mention about no one believed she could win New York, but she did it, which is just funny, too, because, you know, to think of a time where New York was a swing state. Yeah, As opposed to, like, a hippie liberal haven that it is now. Yeah, but yeah. um, she says her suits are getting better and her speeches are getting better. Yeah, and, and Dean's heard all this a million times. Yeah, um, of course. I just think it's funny because you know Dean is totally not the type that would have no 
been any w- interest been, in been Hillary won Clinton. over by Hillary Clinton. Yeah, no, there's no way in hell. So yeah, th- just think in a year in the life, that's when the presidential election would have been happening. Yeah. Yep. So I know. You know, sad. All. Yeah. It is nice though to see that like even on this show they could recognize that a girl like Rory would be influenced by Oh yeah. Hillary Clinton. I think that's a really like powerful time capsule that it's in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I think, you know, not not to veer too explicitly into the politics of it, but I am a person who thinks Hillary Clinton got a bad rap. Mhm. That was not, you know, criticism totally. criticisms were fair, but Yeah, no, I agree. It's um it's like a nice little time capsule. Well, she discovers that she's running late for work and or running late for school not work and she takes a sip of her coffee gives dean a kiss and then she's out the door and once she runs away luke comes up and he's like oh fast runner and he goes it's all the coffee and then he goes oh it wasn't your face and he was and dean's like what and luke says something like oh sorry i just missed my youth for a second there now i'm back yeah which is like yeah, probably, you know, memories of, like, ribbing his friends. Totally, yeah. Well, and um, it's just, like, he has never liked Dean. Right. So, whatever. It, it reminds me of, well, and I think a lot of men tend to do this where if a moment is getting too, like, sweet, you know, they'll have to, like, make a dig at someone to mm-hmm. lighten the moment. Yeah, the totally. And it, it reminds, this is my nerdy contribution, it reminds me of this moment in kingdom hearts three when Mm. sora is traveling with donald duck and goofy the dog okay and he just makes a comment about like these the memories that i have with you guys are unforgettable and he's like getting so wistful and sentimental about it and donald's like why'd you say and he's like uh this is only as unforgettable as your face (laughs) yeah totally i i do want to like point out that I enjoy Luke kind of getting these little jabs in once in a while. Yeah. And uh, when he's making this comment towards Dean, he looks out the window and sees Taylor standing out there taking a picture. And then when Taylor discovers that Luke is watching him, he like turns his body quickly and takes a picture like down the road instead. Yeah, he makes it so obvious, like because he clearly makes eye contact. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, oh, well, I wasn't doing anything. Right, yeah. So Taylor is up to something, and Luke's not sure what it is. Just the least inconspicuous person possible. Right. All right, we are back at Chilton now with Paris uh, yelling at a teacher and saying that is her speaking voice. She just naturally talks at that volume Mm -hmm. and um her and rory are holding a panel for for the juniors at chilton and uh they have a hiring or not hiring admissions admissions director and a college application consultant present to ask questions as they're getting ready to apply for college and the first question paris asks is what would be like one of the bigger mistakes you could make when applying for college. And 
the first thing the man says is, you know, not turning the application in on time would be the worst. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second thing he says is probably like repetitive or mundane answers. And the woman next to him says, yeah, if I read or excuse me, he says, if I read one more essay about Hillary Clinton and how she changed the world, mm-hmm. I think, you know, he's like sick of reading that over and over again. Yeah. And they give all these answers that are just like, and if your name is Rory Gilmore. Yeah, basically. And you can just tell like Rory is like sinking in her chair. She's sinking in her chair more and more because everything they're saying they don't want to see is basically her like they're saying you know it comes off as like you have the paraphernalia all over your walls and it's kind of immature don't you think i hate these two so much it's like yeah because they're such dicks for no reason okay i get like the mundane thing that's fine yeah but like why do we have to a name a specific topic Right. B, put people down for buying things from the college they want to go to. Yeah. What is immature about, like, having that on your walls? I feel like, yeah, it, uh, not even, like, any advice that they're giving is bad. It's just the way it's phrased. And also, even, like, singling out certain topics as, yeah. like, you shouldn't write about that because we're tired of reading it. It's like, what if someone has a really good point to make about hillary clinton or any of these other well and also how are they supposed to know that you're tired of reading it yeah it's it's just such crap and i think really i mean it it probably is very true to life too yeah that a lot of people just you know you're playing by their rules and you're appealing to people you have no you know you, you could be writing an essay that one person would read and say perfect you're in and the other person would say no i hate this get lost yeah so it's just yeah it really you know hammers that in but i feel like it's not expressed in a way of saying like hey look this is all subjective Mm -hmm. you know just try being yourself don't try to you know write to the test or anything like that right you know present yourself and you know, you can even say, like, just, you know, don't come off like you're trying so hard. Like, we well, like, like we want the authenticity. Uh, but but they're such assholes about it. Yeah. And it feels very, like, prestigious in a way. Elitist. Elitist. Yeah. Thank you. And this kind of brings me back to them giving Lane advice, too, where they're like, just g- get to the basics of, like, right. who you are, what bands you like. And that's all people need to know. Like, keep it short and simple. And I think that that's something Rory needs to remember for herself, too, is what what makes you Rory Gilmore? I also think it's funny that Paris, after they've, you know, listed off all these things that you shouldn't do, is like, personal anecdote, but when I was 12 and writing <laughs> fake, writing pretend essays, <laughs> I wrote about Hillary Clinton. And it's like, how do you not... Oh, okay. So twelve. Rory buys flat like Harvard paraphernalia, and that's bad. But then this girl is like, "Uh, "Yeah, when I was writing fake essays, right? It's like what in the world that doesn't come off as way more tryhard than well." And they they cut them off during um their like last discussion, saying like, 
Yeah, we we want to try to weed out the the over eager people. I just I feel like there's something so shitty about telling people um, you're trying too hard, you're too perfect, you're too good. Right. Yeah. Because it's just like, what well, what do you want them to do? And it's like I, on one hand, I can understand what that means sometimes, but on the other, it's just such a shitty like no win. Well, and we see what happens when it doesn't work. Yeah. With Paris later. Right. And it's like they almost set people up to fail that shouldn't fail. Mm -hmm. And when they do, they have no, no purpose. They have nowhere to go from there. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting how they, you know, she's running this panel and asking all these questions about how do I, how do we get into college? What do we need to do? And she doesn't even get in herself. Right, because Yale is her fallback, right? Well, she didn't even apply to Yale. Oh, okay. She had to, like, have her father pull strings. I haven't seen yeah. any, a lot of this in a while. So. Yeah. No, so... It's interesting to like kind of see the underbelly of this like application process. Yeah. And like what they are expecting teenagers yeah. to do. The underbelly of all of this is that, you know, when I was talking about how this show does a really good job of showing the underbelly of high society, uh, the underbelly is that everyone in high society are assholes. <laughs> I think you can't say everyone, but you can say most. Most everyone. Okay, whatever. All right, we have arrived to Friday night dinner. Rory is not there yet, and Emily is all in a panic. Like, where is she? And Lorelai says, there was a rumble at school, and she'll be here when she gets here. Basically insinuating West Side Story. Yeah. And Emily shows her all of these college magazines that she got and they're talking about applying and how they need to be prepared because everybody has the same gpa and it's all about who you know and celebrities are trying to get their kids into school which is very ironic given in the last few years we had the whole Lori, laura laughlin laura yeah, laughlin i feel like thing. there's been kind of a backlash against that lately and yeah. probably schools deliberately not doing that as much right at least not so openly right um, which sends Lorelai into like a panic mm -hmm. and then Rory comes and she's like, mom, I've been trying to call you. I need to talk to you. And they like go into the study and basically panic at each other. And while they're panicking, Paris calls and Rory answers. And she's like, what did that guy mean about some, about being hypertense and not taking those people in? I, I tried to direct questions at you and you turned me away and I had to come home and heave because she wanted to heave after he said that being very hyper intense. Mm -hmm. And Paris is like going on and on and on. And Rory's like, I'll have to call you later, Paris. And it ends with her being like, wait. Yeah. And I think it's funny, too, that, you know, because Lorelai puts an affront in front of Emily. Yeah. But then when she's with Rory alone. Or at least she thinks. It comes off right away. Yeah. And it's just funny because she starts babbling all of, like, the talking points that Emily was. Mm -hmm. But 
not understanding some of it because she says something about like and something's going up and down and i don't know what it is but it's oh it's a yo-yo yeah yeah and emily was talking about the stock market right but yeah lorelei is not going to care about that no and i think too when she's like and kate hudson is not going to take your spot it's like okay yeah this this episode is really good at showing you how like intrusive thoughts get <laughs> <laughs> like seeped into your brain and that's kind of what it's talking about earlier because that's totally been sort of a seesaw i've been off and on yeah. for the last couple of years and i think too it's it's funny to see these girls like actually nervous about something mm-hmm. because i feel so often they like can play it cool or um they know that it'll all work out and this is the one time where being a gilmore doesn't get them what they want yeah because they have no prior affiliation to harvard right so it's she's not a legacy there this is Mm -hmm. all on her and her application and what's going to set her apart yeah and i think that really says something too about how rory and lorelei probably more so lorelei because rory's just always known this but Lorelai really likes to have it both ways as far as like, oh, I have like a working class background. I escaped from uh-huh. the rich life. Yeah. But then, you know, she always has her parents that she can go back to if she's really in trouble. Right. Whereas, like you said, getting Rory into Harvard isn't something they can count on them for because they're not alumni. Their whole right. thing is Yale and they were always pushing Rory to go to Yale. Right. And I mean, spoilers. I forget, does Rory get into Harvard? Yeah, she does. But she just chooses Yale anyway. Yeah. So at least at least she was able to like succeed on her own merits. Right. In that regard. But like Right. Yeah, it does say something that they're freaking out, whereas like if Rory had her heart set on Yale, they'd be like, Oh, well we'll have Richard write a letter to the admissions officer and you're mm-hmm. you're a shoe in, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it it's it's interesting to see this dynamic with them. And I think, too, like, we talked about, I know Elise and I talked about uh, Lorelai kind of having, like, this false sense. It's not even a false sense of security. She has, like, this false sense of doing it all on her own. Mm -hmm. The episode when they have termites. Like, she goes through all this trouble to find a loan when really at the end of the day, her mom still co-signed for her. So it wasn't like she was struggling to do it because she knew that there was a, always a plan B. Yeah. Even if she didn't want to do it, it was still an option there. Right. So it's there's like this different level of comfort, I think, with Lorelai because she knows that she has the ability to get away with some things because mom and dad can help if it's absolutely needed. Yeah. And... With Harvard, this is something Lorelai can't help with. Mm-hmm. This is something Rory has worked for herself this entire time. But do you notice how when they're talking about the application, it's always we? Yeah. And it's not about we. It's what Rory has done. Right. Rory has put in all of this work and time and effort and, you know, Sure, Lorelai helped her get into Chilton, but really her grandparents are the ones that pay for it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to me that Lorelai is 
using the phrase we. Yeah. And then, you know, they also make comments about, well, at least when Lorelai and Emily are talking, they're like, oh, well, th- those eggheads don't know how special Rory is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of course they don't. They've never met her. Right. And are you just now learning that this is a thing? Right. That Rory eventually is going to have to, like, sell herself to people who do not know her and are not, you know, mm-hmm. even buttered up to be like. Well, and this kind of sets us up for the trend of Rory not getting what she wants and, all the time. And like this show, even the show is like center of morality centering around the Gilmores just deserve everything that they want. And right. anyone who stands in their way is the enemy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's an it's interesting and we're kind of getting like a little taste of you know rory when she goes to college i think really kind of goes through it because she's a small fish in a big pond yeah and this is the first like sampling of that that we get besides chilton because i think chilton was like a switch for her as well Mm -hmm. but college is so different and it's a much bigger pond and the fact that she is going to be applying at a school that has like a what 3% admission rate, like mm-hmm. it's that's daunting right. and scary, especially when you've been talking about it your entire life. Yeah. And, and if it, you don't like everybody knows her in stars hollow as the girl who's going to go to Harvard. Right. And this also says something too about like what can happen to you when you, are so fixated on this one thing that like your entire life is going to crumble if you don't get in Mm -hmm. because it's like you know they're talking about oh well it doesn't even matter because they just you know put a stack in the yes pile put a stack in the no pile it's like okay then like honestly why are you worrying this much yeah i mean i know that's always like the least helpful thing to hear when you're panicking right but it is like Oh, you Rory has the exact same chance as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And if everybody else has worked just as hard as Rory, yeah, I know Lorelai and Emily aren't going to like hearing it, but they deserve the same chance that Rory has. Yep. Completely. And, and it's just the universe is not aligning to make their lives easier the way they want it to. So they got to freak out about it. Right. And, like, I get it. No, yeah. It's a big deal. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying there's something wrong with, like... Right. But freak, they need freak. to recognize that, like, yeah, it's, there it, are other people applying. It's, it's like, it is a natural thing, but also, like, check yourself. Sure. Yeah, completely. It is the next day. And the phone is ringing off the hook at the Gilmore house. And it's all people trying to get into Lane's band. Lorelai's like, I don't know. She's not here. She's supposed to be here. Try back later. Rory is not awake. She goes to wake up Rory. Rory says she's not sleeping. Lorelai says it's all, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll get through this. Lane is on the phone talking to somebody who doesn't know anything about music, apparently, according to Lane. She's like, these kids have no music history. By Lane's specific standards. Right. And um, Rory, I think, is just feeling overwhelmed, 
and down about getting this application done and how does she show who she is on paper and going against what she wanted to do originally and now kind of has to start over. And I think it's consuming her a little bit. Yeah. So we're kind of seeing that. And Lorelai, I think, is in the kind of the same boat. They're kind mm-hmm. of riding this wave together of what do we do? Where do we go from here? How do we, you know, show them Rory Gilmore? Mm-hmm. And even as a viewer, like we've been waiting for this moment for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's finally here. And watching it as an audience member, you're like, what do you say to set yourself right. apart in this moment? Like, I feel like we know Rory well enough now. But when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, what could Rory say that would set her apart? I think she needs to talk about her mother. Mm-hmm. And I think talking about like the sacrifices that Lorelai makes, that feels... To me, like the most obvious answer. Yeah, totally. More so than Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Well, and also her like specific angle of wanting to become a journalist. Yeah, right. And it's like you have the ability. You want to be a journalist. You want to write these stories. This is a great way for you to show what you can do. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because the the price tag or like the end goal is so big and so important. Mm-hmm. It kind of shadows the whole yeah, thing. I'm sure she feels really small in comparison to what they're asking for. Right. And we've already talked about that, so we don't need to like reiterate it. But right. um, and this is a pretty short scene anyway. Right. So Lane is really struggling finding a band members the right band the right band or the right members and rory is struggling with how to present herself on paper still we are at luke's diner and uh todd the contractors tom the contractor is sitting there ordering food and this little boy comes in and he's like luke can i get a cold cream or an egg cream And Luke's like, what the hell is that? And they said it was soda with milk or an egg or I don't know. They sell it at Coney Island. Yeah. And then another kid comes in and says that he wants a black cow. And that's like basically a root beer float. Mm -hmm. And Luke was like, yeah, I can make that. And the kid's like, but I want it with old fashioned ice cream. And Luke's like, what is going on? And then Kirk comes in and he says he wants a phosphate. And Luke's like, who put you up to this? And he's like, no one. And the and he looks at the little kid and he goes, if you don't tell me right now, you're going to go to hell. And the kid was like, he didn't say you'd get mad. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly Taylor put them up to this. And Luke figures it out and grabs them both by the elbows Mm-hmm. poor Kirk and this child and brings them to the market. And he says, Taylor, what is this about? Taylor says he's been taking pictures around town of all of the mishappen- mishappenings of 
people, teens riding skateboards and turning this into a dog town and that he wants to open up an old fashioned soda shop. And at that point, he tells basically Luke discovers that he wants to open it in the little space next to the diner. Which Luke now owns. Right, which Luke owns. And Luke tells him, no, you will never go there. I will never rent that to you. I, in fact, if I die and they freeze my body and they've cured what I died from, I will have them unfreeze me, cure me, and my first words will be, how is Taylor and no Taylor. How's Ted? Oh, how's Ted? Because it's Ted Williams. Yeah, Ted Williams. Thank you. How's Ted and Second will be no Taylor. Taylor. No. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly that's not happening. And he says, in fact, I'm going to turn it into a skateboard and bottle pop shop. And Taylor's like, no, you wouldn't. That's not funny. And he goes, and I'm going to have people there to teach people how to skateboard. And uh, as the art of street shaloming. Yeah. And um, as he's leaving, Kirk, poor Kirk, says, are you going to be hiring? Can I fill out an application for your skateboard and pop shop? And Luke's like, uh, yeah, Kirk, I'm interviewing people today. And he's like, all right, well, should I go home and change or will casual suffice? And Luke's like, I like the going home part. And that's where it ends. So, you know, there's something about this storyline that's always bugged me a little, which is like, I understand that it's not exactly the same thing, but why would you open up a soda shop right next to a diner? Like a really popular small town diner. Yeah. You know, that has, that has desserts because Luke says he can make like a root beer float. Sure, you know. but he ends up serving, like, a lot of different things. Yeah. I mean, like, it seems to do well enough. Well, you know? I mean, to be honest, I would go to a diner and then be like, oh, my gosh, there's a soda shop next door. Let's get ice cream after. Well, and here we can just go to 50s Grill, and there you get both. Oh, 50s Grill is so good. We should go there. Totally. Totally. Okay, we have another little short scene. Rory's coming home from school, and Lorelai says that she talked to Headmaster Charleston, and he set them up with a Harvard alumni to have a dinner so she can talk about the application process and ask some questions from somebody who's already been through it all and succeeded. And so Lorelai's like, let's call him right now. And they go over... And Rory has the phone, and the minute the guy says hello, she hangs up the phone. And Lorelai's like, well, did he answer? And she says, yeah. And she goes, that's a really bad first impression. And then the phone starts ringing again. And she's like, oh, my God, it's him. Answer the phone. He star 69'd us. Which, like, I forgot that that was even a thing. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever used a phone where that was how you called someone back. I think the phones that my parents had always had, like, a button like a redial button. Oh, sure. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, back in the day, back in my day, when before even caller ID, if you got a call and they hung up, if you did star 69, 
it would call that number back. And then we'd go down to the soda fountain and play jacks. <laughs> so it was not them being star 69. It was actually, bum, 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 Dave Rogowski. Yeah, and it's cool how they seed that in there because it's not presented as like a big deal. Right. But that is who shows up later. And, and it who... is a big deal. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It is a big deal, but it's not like. The big deal right, right. now. Right. It's, it's just some little foreshadowing. And I love that he called already once. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll just leave another message. Bye. Because, you know, in the universe of Gilmore Girls, there's nothing sexier a man can do than leave. Multiple voice a messages. A ton of voicemails. Uh-huh. You have 18 missed calls from Dean. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Lorelai says we're going to call. So she dials the number, calls again, and Rory's like, I can't do this. And she passes the phone to Lorelai, and Lorelai answers the phone. And she's like, oh, hi, this is Rory Gilmore. I believe you were expecting my call. And basically talks like that the whole time. And Rory's mm-hmm. like, not so breathy. And she's like, well, that's what a chicken sounds like. And he's they like make a plan whatever and she's like okay great and my mom will be there too she's terrific and then does like this weird laugh and yeah like hangs up the phone and they're like well nothing bad can come from this only good can come from this right and i think it's it's good for lorelei to kind of push rory out of her comfort zone because rory says like this sounds weird yeah and it was cool that um, Lorelai, like, took the initiative and that she went to Headmaster Charleston. Yeah, I agree. And was I like, agree. hey, we're, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to someone who you know can help and just being like, hey, we're struggling with something. Right. Do you have advice? You know, and not even, like, looking for an out. It's It's just, you know... Yeah, and I think it's good that she did it on her own, and she didn't do it with, like, her parents pushing her to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, like, honestly shows a little bit of growth that um, Mm -hmm. we're probably not going to see again. Oh, stop it. Well, you know what I mean. We'll get there. Okay, but I'm really excited to talk about this family. Okay. All right, the girls are arriving at this house that the Harvard alumnus. Yes. <laughs> I just realized the entire episode I've said alumni. Um, yeah, I mean, Lorelai literally makes the same mistake in this scene. Right. But alumni is plural, alumnus is a man. And An alumna is a woman. Yes. Okay, so now you know everyone. Yeah, and we didn't mention it, but the alumnus's name is Darren Springsteen, so they've made quite a few jokes about Bruce. Is he related to Bruce? Yeah. So they arrive, and you can already tell that a lot of these homes are very, like, white picket fence. Old money. Old money. Yeah, like, they have the big pillars in the front, and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, like, a very different universe. Um, So... Darren answers the door and Rory comes with all of her 
like applications and different things, her transcripts, all of this stuff about her. And he says, I'll look at this later. Let's just, you know, sit down and get to know each other. And so he's asking them questions about art and uh, what does Rory like to read and all these different things. And while they're talking, you can tell that they're very nervous Mm -hmm. because he asks if they like sports and Rory says no. And Lorelai says yes. And then they have to like circle back and talk about it. Lorelai basically calls their TV a side table that they put their chai tea on because she doesn't want him to think that they watch a lot of TV. And it's like, let's just relax. Right. Let's just have a little fun. Okay. Yeah. Um, As they're talking, Jack and Jennifer come in and they were playing tennis they are, he goes to Princeton and she is Harvard bound like Rory and she sits down and she's like, oh my God, we should like hang out or like talk we about talk. school. Mm-hmm. And Rory's like, okay. And she's like, cool. Like right now or when do you want to do it? And like, yeah, like she's trying to make plans already. Yeah. And Rory's like, oh, I don't know, like maybe soon. And she's like, okay, I'll put it in my Palm Pilot. Yeah, you got a name drop. Yeah. And then he says he's got to go make the chicken. And Jack says we should probably go shower and get ready for dinner. And they kind of bounce off and run off together. But before they do, she's like, I'll see you in a jiff. And she like pokes Rory in the shoulder. And Rory's like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, before Darren leaves, he says they can peruse the yearbooks so Lorelai is going through these yearbooks but when Jack and Jennifer run off she's like do you think they're going to shower together yeah they have that like creepy Donnie and Marie yes it's so weird and she's like they were playing tennis but they're not sweating why is that and Rory says well maybe when you're that white you don't sweat which I think is a joke about their outfits right more so than them being ethnically white because right Rory and Lorelai and this show really are the last people who should be. It's very whitewashed. Yeah, completely. But I do think it could be commentary on like the wealthiness of it all. Oh yeah, totally. Um, And it's just like very interesting to see Rory be put off by people. Yeah, because I think this is how Rory comes off to other people sometimes. This is how Rory comes off to people in Stars Hollow. Right. And now that she's seeing, like, the Ivy League family, she's like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be lumped in with these people. Right. And it doesn't get any better either. So it's, yeah. Which, um, well, just couple of things before we move on because we were debating like whether to just watch this scene in full right or break it up into chunks but it seemed like before lunch is ready was kind of a good yeah leaving off point Mm -hmm. um so the guy who plays darren um has an interesting name which i will pull up (laughs) uh so his name is uh granville van dusen wow and uh, he has over a hundred credits in 
on his IMDb page. Okay. Um, but the top listed thing is he played a character named Dr. Hill on a TV series called Soap okay. in 1980, which I guess is maybe a soap opera or like a parody of soap operas. Maybe, or, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's like he was on West Wing, um, but it's Gilmore Girls, obviously. But it, it's a lot of like one episode guest appearances or things like that um he was on an episode of walker texas ranger so like he's been on a lot of things yeah Um, his resume kind of dries up a bit after really after this but you know seems like he had a pretty solid character actor career um interesting i just think it's funny because like he honestly seems like he could be like a richard understudy yeah i could see that especially with that vocal like his voice yeah i think it really carries Mm -hmm. um and I was going to say, too, I think it's interesting how he brings up um, that he collects Harvard memorabilia. Because, oh, isn't that the thing that they said Rory was stupid for? Yeah. For collecting Harvard memorabilia. But I guess with him, it's okay because he's an alumnus. So right. he has a reason to. Whereas yeah. you can't just collect Harvard memorabilia because you like it. Mm-hmm. Also, um, just scrolling through his IMDb, he was on 53 episodes of The Young and the Restless. Oh, in between okay. 97 and 2001. So that would have been like right before this. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you know. So he probably was known in, yeah. at this time by like the adults that watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Because yeah, soap, I feel like soap culture is such a thing onto itself. I think now. it's kind of funny too. Like you, you mentioned the Richard thing. They do very much like give off Emily and Richard vibes. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to think... Like, knowing in the future we meet another daughter, what kind of vibe Lorelai has in all of this. Um, And I don't want to get too far ahead. But I did want to mention the West Wing thing. One of our followers messaged us because they made um, that reference about uh, Jimmy Carter Mm -hmm. in the last episode. And, uh, or Martin Sheen, excuse me. And she said, I think the reference to Martin Sheen is about how he played such a beloved president on the West Wing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. While Jimmy Carter was seen as very weak. Um, I thought Francie was trying to say she'd make Paris look completely powerless. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh, yeah, I, I picked up on that. Oh, okay. But well, also, I did not. I'm also a political nerd, so. Sure. Um, and I said that I've never seen the West Wing. She recommended it. She said it's got fast dialogue. Uh, You'd like it a lot. There's so much content to consume. It is overwhelming sometimes. It's it's Aaron Sorkin, so it's sure that like what else were we just were we just talking about west wing with someone else yeah uh the newsroom was another oh yeah 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 that's it aaron sorkin in the newsroom that's what we were talking about okay so just know it's on my radar i think it's really up rin's alley more so i've watched a few episodes and i kind of know like i I think i read more about it than i've ever watched it like i've seen clips and i i know kind of like what the storylines are totally but I don't know. It's it's weird because I I really am invested in following politics, like the day to day of it. But mm-hmm. I honestly like political dramas aren't really my thing. Sure. Just because I think, I think because if I know it's fake, I don't care. You know. Fair. Yeah. Like there's nothing. I I don't get any satisfaction out of like knowing that the president on West Wing like got a bill passed or like went to war with his country because it's like there's no 
real world implication to that. Got it. I don't know. Totally. No, I can understand that. But so here we are. They are about to have dinner. They already got busted once for making fun of one of the artist names. Mm-hmm. Lorelai kept like repeating it in a funny voice. And then the mom came in and she was like, oh, I'm interrupting all the fun. And I'm sure at that point, Rory, like, wanted to die. I will say, mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting that they write it where Rory is never embarrassed by her mother. Yeah. Because I think that is such an easy thing to fall into. Like, my, and they get into it here at the table, too, where it's, you know, she went to business school. She didn't go to Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. And she's very proud of her mom. Right. And I love that. But I'll save the rest of that for the next scene. Right. Okay. So this scene is really something. This... Yeah. <laughs> so they're all sitting down and... Um, they ask Lorelai about like her education and she said, oh, I was too busy being like, you know, a couple hundred pounds and my ankle swelling up and being pregnant, being pregnant. Yeah. Yep. And Rory says, but she went to night school and she got her AA in business. And Darren says, that's great. And that almost could be something to Rory's benefit. Like she had to work hard for where she is now and blah, 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 whatever. And then at that point, it turns into like this quiz thing where everyone around the table is being asked these questions. And he says, this is how they do mealtime. They just like quiz each other. Yeah, on like a very wide breadth of subjects. And I feel like this is how average people think smart people are. Like like at (laughs) home, we're just like shooting out. I mean, not me. I'm not. No, that's not us. Just at shooting all. off like formulas and like, oh, what was this artistic movement called? You know, right? And yeah, I didn't know the answer to any of those. No, I didn't either. And you pointed out how there was a question about Shakespeare, and I, I mean, I have a master's in playwriting. I don't care about Shakespeare. I'm not. Well, and I know a lot about artists, yeah, but nothing about like. The like classical Matisse. art yeah. or like certain eras or right yeah i i like the mona lisa because her eyes you know that's like yeah like i have an appreciation i don't have a knowledge of it yeah, all it's it's like encyclopedic to a point of seeming psychopathic yeah well and it's it almost gives off like this vibe of <sighs> It's, it's like they're trying... They're, they don't have personalities. Like, yeah. this is their personality. Yeah, that they just know a lot. Yeah. And it, it's it's like they're putting on a show, almost. Of yes. Like, look at how smart we are. This is what we talk about at dinner. And Yeah, and it's like, where, where are your... Where are the things that make you you? Right. This is... It goes to show how full of crap the admissions officers were. When they're like, oh, you can't like everything. You can't be interested in everything. And it's like, well, this family certainly seems to be. Right. And they're like, you know, conveyor belt to Ivy League, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But um, this actually reminds me a lot of, there's an episode of Simpsons, which a lot of things remind me of Simpsons. But Fair. 
in this case, uh, there was an episode from like season six or season seven called Lisa's Rival. And that was, I always get them mixed up. I think it was Winona Ryder was this new girl named Allison who. Yeah, it was Winona Ryder. Because were you going to say Lisa Kudrow? No, it's her and uh, uh, Christina Ricci always mix up. Oh, okay. No, um, this one is Winona Ryder. Yeah, so um, Allison is this new girl who joins Lisa's class and she's a year below Lisa, but she was moved up because she was so smart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lisa gets like worried because she's no longer the only smart girl in class. And she goes over to Allison's house one day and Allison's dad is like, oh, we play this game called Anagrams. We come up with the name of a person and then you have to rearrange the letters in their name to describe them. Uh, Allison, Sir Alec Guinness. And she goes, genuine class. And then he's like, all right, Lisa, here's an easy one. Jeremy Irons. And she goes, Jeremy's iron. Yeah. And people have found out there's actually no way to make an anagram out of Jeremy Irons' name. Oh. So it's like he was just being a dick and like making this little girl feel insecure next to his daughter. Well, and that starts to happen here at the table. Yeah. Like he keeps asking Lorelai these these, questions. That he has to know she has no way of knowing. Well, and and not to say that, like, if you have an AA, you don't know the answer to these questions. Right. But it's like... But it's like, you know she has, like, a working class background. Right. Why would she know that? But um, I was just going to say the line from that episode is Lisa gives her Jeremy's iron answer. And the dad's like, okay, um, you know, I have this ball and uh, you can bounce it. God. Like the most condescending. Well, so, okay, let's get back to the table. Sorry. No, that's fine. Yeah. There is like a moment of that, though, where like they keep hounding her with questions. And Lorelai comes up with that dumb, like, if you're waiting in Istanbul. Constantinople, yeah. Yeah. And Rory's like, how do I save my mom from this? And Rory bails. Yeah, She's basically. like, I need to go wash my hands, which... Well, and part of me, too, is wondering, and now I kind of almost want to backtrack on what I said. Is she embarrassed by Lorelai in that moment? No, I think she's intimidated. By the family? Yeah. Okay, got it. And she's kind of like, uh, I can't get myself out of this fast yeah. enough. Got yeah, because the thing is... Lorelai, I mean, it's awkward for Lorelai too, but what are Lorelai's stakes here? Like right. nothing. Like right. she wants to make Rory look good, but if she has lunch at this family's house and they don't like her, no skin off her ass, she got a free meal out of it. Yeah. Whereas Rory is the one who has to like impress them and look good. Right. So. And she's probably like, I don't really want to be on the spot like this. Yeah, because and. Because there is a question the dad throws out that Rory does know the answer to, and I think that buys her a little grace. Yeah. But yeah, she's clearly not like on this like rapid fire. Name all these eras or name. He's like the first French, this Polish composer, and the son immediately blurts out an answer right. without hearing the rest of the question. Yep. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah. And we forgot to mention that the brother. Jack and Jennifer came down and they were color coordinated. Right. And then there was another part where they're like, no one beats Darren. And the daughter's like, yeah, he's a he, genius. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah, she gets like a weird delivery. Yeah, and Lorelai like just keeps drinking her water. Right. 
Oh, and uh, when Rory gets the first qu- the question right that she gets, and mm-hmm. oh yeah, the they're all goes, like, "Well, well done, Rory. Rory!" And yeah, they all say, "Well done, Rory!" It's like, like very robotic. Yeah, completely. Yeah, so we're getting a little vibe here. Yeah. And at the beginning of the dinner, because now we can transition. By the way, we keep saying dinner, but it's a lunch. I mean, not that that's... Whatever. It's a a meal. It's a meal. At the beginning of the meal, Lorelai sees a family photo. And she says, oh, "Oh, you have another daughter. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's Carol. And And they're kind of weird about it. They get so embarrassed by it. And and Lorelai's like, oh, well, what does she do? And then they don't know what to say. And finally she goes, uh, she's on her own path. Which, like, such a shitty way to talk about your daughter to other people. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, what do you, I mean, because we meet her later. Yeah. And it's like, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. She just chose a different path. Right. There's, like... Nothing about that is hard to explain. You can just be like, oh, yeah, she's just not here right now. She's working. Yeah. Well, and it's like you don't have to, like, go into specifics. Right. And also, I wonder if they weren't sure how to phrase it because of the history that Lorelai has. Yeah. That could be part of it as well. Where they're trying to be a little bit more PC about it kind of thing. Yeah. Because of, you know, present company. But it's so obvious that they're, like, ashamed of her. Yeah. And they really have no reason to be. Right. All right. Rory excuses herself to go wash her hands. And she hears Tom Waits playing, coming from a bedroom. And she goes into the room. And suddenly she's passed by a girl in a diner uniform. And it happens to be Carol, the daughter. The other daughter by the way for this girl only being in one scene i really like her as an actor i always think that she's the woman who played bernadette no but she's not but they do look alike yeah um, um but yeah she's great you know who she reminds me of is in the incredibles the babysitter Carrie. totally she's got that sort of like forward way of talking yeah you've got that really shiny harvard hair yeah um, and she is getting out of her waitress uniform and putting on a bunny costume and Rory's like, wow, you work at a diner, you dress up as a bunny, and you go to school? That's amazing. And she's like, oh, no, I don't go to school. And that's when it, it's like, Yeah, so I wonder, oh. so, because she, she's one year younger than Rory, isn't she? No, she's a year older than Rory. And, and Rory's in her senior year. Yeah. Okay, so then, yeah, yeah. she would have graduated high school by now. Yes. And it's probably just working until mm-hmm. she knows what she wants to do. Yeah. Which is a perfectly valid thing. That's what I should have done instead of going to Dunwoody. Right. Yeah. And she's like, oh, so you're Carol. And she's like, yeah, why? And she's like, well, I don't know, your parents. And she's like, oh, made it sound like I had a needle sticking out of my arm yelling Sid at the top of my lungs. Yeah. Is that a reference? Sid and Nancy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it's like. Yeah, you know, they kind of did make it seem like she was, like, off on, like, this unbeaten path and the wrong side of the tracks. And it's like, no, she's a working class woman at the age of 18. Well, and, like, you see her getting in the bunny outfit and your first thought is, like, are you, like, a Playboy bunny or something? But it's like, no, she's going to a kid's birthday party. 
Well, you know, like the trained person would know that it wouldn't be a Playboy bunny well, because you, okay. that's a very okay. You know what I mean. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time because <laughs> I do listen to that and Girls Next Level podcast. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so we meet her, and she says that she hopped off the conveyor belt, the Harvard Ivy League school conveyor belt, in eleventh grade, and she never looked back. Mm-hmm. And she says that her brother and sister are on the conveyor belt, and it's because they just want to please their parents. And she accuses Rory of also being on the conveyor belt. Yeah. And Rory says, I'm not on the conveyor belt. Like, as long as I'm happy, my mom is happy. Yeah. And yeah, Rory does like stick up for herself a little bit. And I I think to Carol's credit, she's pretty like, yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have, you know. Yeah, no, they have, like, a like, really great, honest conversation. Yeah, like, like, they're both pretty real with each other, and it is a good affirmation that Rory wants Harvard or for herself Yale because she wants it. Right. As opposed to, right. you know. Yeah, she's, like, able to recognize this is something that I really want and that if I don't pick it, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom is going to be okay. Yeah. And, um... I think that if she got anything out of this dinner, that's what she's going to take away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the the application or that whole process. It's if this is what I want to do and this is where I want to go, then I'm going to apply and make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I think also it it kind of pushes her to think about other places, too. Yeah. So... I really like this this little scene as kind of my favorite scene from this episode. Yeah. Where it's like... It really does, like, spell out what you're supposed to take away from it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Without, like, slapping you in the face with it. Right. You know? Because I do think we could have seen a conveyor belt version of Rory. Like, yeah. if we think about, like, if Lorelai wouldn't have fallen off the conveyor belt herself... Mm-hmm. And she, you know, got married and got with Christopher, whatever. They still had Rory. This could be Rory. Yeah. But we don't see that because Lorelai also got off the conveyor belt. Yeah. And so there's a parallel there. Well, and it goes to show, too, that, like, you have autonomy. Mm-hmm. And I think such a running theme in this show is that people assume Lorelai only, quote unquote, got off the conveyor belt because she got pregnant. When she was like, off the conveyor belt before she got pregnant. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think everyone was just in denial about that, though. Right. Up to that point. Right. Whereas, like, Carol shows that, no, you can just hop off and yeah. live your life. And are there... are, are Excuse me. And there are repercussions, I'm sure, for Carol hopping right. off that conveyor belt. Yeah. But she is working. She's making things happen. She's not just sitting at home. Mm-hmm. relying on her parents right you know she's like really going out there and doing something and i think there is something to say for that and you know we see rory comes from that too she comes from a mom who worked hard didn't sit around and wait for things to happen to her she makes things happen yeah definitely. and so i think that that was a really great eye-opening conversation for her to have yeah. And it kind of like wrapped up that dinner with a neat bow to be like, mm-hmm. you don't have to be conveyor belt. 
you can get off of the conveyor belt and make something of yourself and still go to like an Ivy League school. Yeah. So how are you going to set yourself apart from the conveyor belt when you apply to Harvard? Yeah, I think this I I think this gets to the heart of what the admissions people were saying in the beginning more than right. than being condescending jerks about it. Completely. It's like this kind of puts that into perspective a little bit. Right. Yeah. Where like they're saying they don't want somebody who does all of these activities and they want people who do like well-rounded things. And but look at this family. They play tennis. They do all of this trivia. And, you know, like, they are very, like, carbon copies of each other. Mm -hmm. And Rory is not that. Yeah. So she now has this fuel to say, I know how to write about me now. It's like she's someone with the personality of a Carol who just also happens to want to go to Harvard. Totally. And she has that perfect shiny Harvard hair. Yes. So their lunch ends with everyone saying goodbye on the front step and Rory kind of walks off and the dad, there's this really great moment where he says she's incredible and he tells Lorelai that she molded her well and Lorelai's like, well, I didn't mold her. She just popped out that way. And he says, oh, you're just being modest. And she's like, ah, you really don't know me, do you? And I think it's, it's always really sweet when a parent like compliments another parent on their child mm-hmm. for being like well-rounded or polite or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that is something where like, even as a teacher, when a child starts to do something that you've been like trying to ingrain in them all along and you're like, Oh my gosh, they're doing it. Yeah. You're like really proud of that. And I think it's, yeah, they're believing Peter. And I just think that's a very sweet moment. And Rory says, what did he say? And Lorelai's like, he said, you're godlike. And that his brother Bruce will play at our next party or event. So I was thinking your graduation. So, yeah, that's the end of the alumnus. The meeting. The meeting. And yeah, and it goes to show too that... Lorelai, I think, doesn't think of herself as, like, being responsible for Rory being great Mm -hmm. because she's not nearly as bookish as Rory. Sure. But there is something to be said about, like, her ethics and her values being passed on as opposed to, you know, you you don't need to Xerox your daughter to, like, feel like you had a hand in her upbringing. Yeah. When I think it's interesting that you bring up the morals because given how things change so much in season four with Rory. Yeah. Um, I think that's her Carol coming out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's it for that. So thank goodness for Carol. Cause I think she really turned the day around. Hooray for Carol. All right, we are back in Stars Hollow now. They're at town meeting. The girls arrive late, which I'm guessing means they just went straight from that meal to this town meeting. Because they were driving from Boston, I'm assuming. 
So they come in late. Taylor makes a big to-do about them coming in late. Yeah, he had chairs set up for them that they do not sit in. Right. Yeah, which, like, I wouldn't either. Like, yeah. I'm petty enough to be like, screw you, Taylor. Yeah, like, I'll like a, sit where I want. It's like asking them to wear a dunce cap. Yeah, basically. So uh, Taylor decides that he needs Miss Patty to, like, run the town meeting because he has business he wants to bring up. Mm-hmm. And the business that he wants to bring up is that he wants to open a old-fashioned soda shop. Mm-hmm. And t- obviously Luke has issue with it because he's the landlord and he doesn't like Taylor. Yeah, and it's not town business. Right. You know. No, it's not. It's business that he and Luke should be figuring out behind closed doors. Right. If that's something he wants to do. But Taylor knows that he can't win with Luke, so... He has to try to win over the town instead. Yeah, which he does. And he does. Although, it is funny. I love how, like, fixated they get on his model not being scale. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to, like, argue with them about it. Because that's like... Because the horse is, like, way bigger than the people. And Babette's like, that guy could walk under the horse. <laughs> and Jackson is gets really excited. He gets he pushes his nose, like, right up to it. He's like, that's me holding the zucchini. <laughs> like, whoever Taylor paid to do this. Like, it was clearly... probably Kirk. Right, yeah, true. Let's be real. Yeah, which Kirk does immediately ask about management opportunities at the soda shop. Right, right. Um, and Lorelai yeah. is kind of the one who eggs on the town being won over because she's like, we like ice cream. Yeah. Well, and I think she says it like that to like piss off Luke too. Yeah. But I think the whole thing with the model is so peak Stars Hollow. Like, right. It's okay. We get it. Like, we know what you're doing. We know that you, we, you know that we would want this. Yeah. So we're going to just like harass you a little bit first and yeah. then give you what you want. Yeah. You're just, you know, we're going to haze you a bit, but yeah. Yeah. You know, Cause I think they all know that Taylor's such a blowhard. Oh even, yeah. Even though they like most of his ideas. Yeah. But you know. Right. But um, yeah, not to keep making Simpsons comparisons, but Stars Hollow really does remind me of like Springfield. Yeah. Like I their town meetings. Yeah. Like when Lisa is giving her presentation on global warming and her you know, she's on that platform that rises, mm-hmm. but it's not working. So they're like, all, all in favor of getting a new platform. I, and they just oh, totally God. ignore yeah. what she's trying to talk about. That sounds about right. Well, at this point now, Luke is frustrated because he has to rent the space. Yeah, because Taylor enforces eminent domain, yep. which was like a civil war practice Yep, for people needing to turn their houses into hospitals. And it's like Taylor knows all the loopholes. Yeah, he probably, you're not gonna get it past him. Yeah, he probably like wrote the town constitution. Yeah, so I mean, he's following stuff in that rule book that's just like mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. So there it goes, and Lorelai's like, "Well, at least you get to be his landlord now," and Luke is less than thrilled. Yeah. So that's that for that town meeting. I'd be pissed if I was Luke, truly. Oh, yeah. He totally gets, like, put over a barrel in yeah. the scene. It's, it's really shitty that Taylor knows those loopholes. Mm-hmm. But I also think at the same time, if Luke owns it, yeah, they should stay out. Right. 
You know, like it yeah. just seems like kind of strange to me. Yeah. Well, um, what do you think about the this? Uh, I'd almost call this like a C plot in this episode. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like thematically relevant. It just seems like it's setting up for future. Well, and it's weird because like, I guess I'm just not sure what the like. This seems like a plot that needed to happen in some episode, and this was just, like, the one that, like, drew the straw. Right. And I don't know if it was, like, to give Taylor more to do, like, down the line. But, you know, when he opens up the soda shop, that's when Rory is supposed to be leaving for Yale. When it's, like, finally done. Yeah. And then she doesn't, she can't be, like, the Dairy Queen or whatever. Yeah, I think... It seems to me like they probably just realized that Luke and Taylor have this great, like, odd couple chemistry. Yeah. And they're like, well, why don't we open up, you know, have Taylor open up a store right next to Luke? Mm -hmm. So that way they're, you know, we have more excuses, like, have them butt heads. And it's like a similar enough shop that... It gives Luke more screen time without Lorelai. Yeah. And it gives Taylor more screen time. And I also love how... Every time you see Taylor working there, he's always wearing that stupid, like, Willy Wonka outfit. Oh, I know. God. Yeah, because the whole thing is, he ends up putting a window into the diner. Yeah. And that is so fucked. Yeah, because it's, it's, this whole thing is just Taylor's vanity exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Because he wanted, remember he wanted to sell, like, commemorative plates. Yeah. With the Beatles and Mary Poppins. Oh, my God. Like, that was his first business idea. Yeah, yep. Well, at least that didn't pass. Yeah, so I, w- I wonder if there is something to be said about, like, what's the theme of this episode, and does this have anything to do with it? And it, it I may- mean, if you look at it this way, Taylor was applying yeah. to, like, Taylor, have that space. I guess maybe it shows Taylor was able to, like, brute force his way into what he wanted wanted. yeah i don't know yeah i think it's a stretch but i think i understand where you're going with that like i think that's how they could just justify having this like c plot story added into this it just seems like this was probably like a beat they wanted to hit like in their season yeah well and to like where was luke going to be in this episode yeah so it's like this gives Scott Patterson something to do right. as well. Because Luke is, at this point... He is a like a main character at this yeah. point. In my eyes, at least. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah. No, I think that's a good, a good question. Yeah. Okay. Let's continue on because there's a little bit more left and then yes. we've got our town hall. Yes. Okay. All right, we're at the end of the town meeting, and we see Lane meeting Dave Rogowski. Yeah, this kind of plays out as a, a bunch of, like, little vignettes. Yeah, it is, into, like, one big thing. Yeah. So Lane meets Dave Rogowski, who is played by Adam Brody, Ooh. who, Bryn... <sighs> he was on the OC, right? That was, was his, like, on... big... Yes. Yeah. That was after this. He right. left this to be on the OC. Right. But Adam Brody was like my dream boy in high school. 
he wears the Converse and the Argyle sweaters mm-hmm. and, you know, the unironic nerd attire. Yeah, and you married someone just like him. Did I? No. No. I mean, you are a lot like him in the OC, I will yeah. say. So. Yeah, I do, I've never watched the OC, but I remember reading, like, for some reason, follow it, following in, like, the wiki sure. hole. I think because I rewatched it when we were long distance mm. and so i was telling you about it so I, a might lot. Been, I might have been like looking up the characters and... yeah i think so yeah. but anyway so i really like how this played out because we had actually already been introduced to him through that yeah. um, answering machine message and then he like sought her out at mm-hmm. this town meeting and she was like how did you know it was me and he was like well the dead kennedy shirt gave it away yeah and he seems really cool and he's it's kind of crazy how like perfect i mean it's tv it's a tv show so it's written yeah but yeah like they fit lane's needs like a glove because it kind of sounds like he already has a band he does he has a band that they want lane to join right they don't they don't have a drummer they have a drumming machine right so he plays her a single we'll just and they touch over this quick they've, they've covered 35 of the 38 bands yeah something like that and she's like okay i really like those odds and she likes the single and he's like, all right, well, I'll talk to my bandmates and maybe we can, you know, play together next week. And she jam. thinks that's great. Yeah, she's, jam. And yeah, and he's a big audiophile, too. Like mm-hmm. he's got a ton of like really cool equipment. To... Yep. And um, as she's leaving, she takes her shirt off and she's got a yellow shirt on underneath that says, trust God. Thank you for clarifying after sh- saying she takes her shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> I realized after things, saying things it. move pretty fast in yeah. Stars Hollow. So he's like, "Trust God," and she's like, "It's my life." And then she like walks away. Yeah. So so, so we get that. Yes. And kind of a interesting contrast to uh, Rory and Dean have a conversation. Yes. Where they sure do. Where Dean's like, "So what's gonna happen when you go to Harvard?" And she's like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Well." Are we going to stay together when you go to Harvard? And he actually says, are we going to break up? So it's yeah. like totally like he kind of right just like to the point. stabs it and then twists it a little bit. Yeah. And she's like, no, we're not going to break up. And he's like, yeah, but you're going to be at Harvard. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, there are junior colleges in Boston. You could go to one of those. And he's like, but not with dorms. And she's like, well, then you'll get an apartment. And he's like, with what money? Yeah. And it's like this realization that like all of these little things kind of start happening that make you realize, oh, yeah, you're leaving mm-hmm. because that whole conversation happens. And then they're talking with Lorelai's talking with Suki and Jackson and they're like, well, what are you going to do with Rory's room when she leaves? And she's like, well, she's not leaving yet. And they're like, okay, well, her room is going to be empty, so what are you going to do with it? Yeah, it's kind of weird how that conversation comes up because their motive is that Jackson has some old tools that his dad Yeah, gave him. and it's like, why and is he, that the wants, perfect place for them? Yeah, he needs a place to put them. And it's like, why are you thinking about renting out like a teenage girl's bedroom? Yeah, to it's store just strange. These? Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird non sequitur, but that's how the conversation comes up. Yeah. Um. And so Lorelai kind of has this moment where then she's like, oh, yeah, she's leaving soon. Yeah. 
And she looks off at, at Luke's diner and Rory and Dean are going into the diner. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's kind of where that scene yeah, that, plays out. Yeah, and I kind of, I like how um, the conversation between Dean and Rory is juxtaposed with the conversation between Lane and David. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of like they're already in the throes of a relationship and trying to figure out what's next. Whereas Lane is like just meeting this guy mm-hmm. and spoilers. He's a big romantic interest for her. Yeah. So it's like, you know, she's discovering something new and like all the excitement that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that this happens without Rory. Yeah. Totally. Because it's time for Lane to do something on her own for herself. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I got to say, I really sympathize with Dean. Yeah. I, I Like, this is kind of Dean at his most, at one of his more points where I'm able to, like, empathize with him. Well, it's very vulnerable for him to be like, yeah. you're going to college. And what am I going to do? And good for him for not pussyfooting around it either. Cause, right. You know, because yeah. Rory's like, wow, that's blunt. And it's like, well, no one's saying anything about it. And, mm-hmm. like, are you going to wait until the day before you leave before you have that talk right you know yeah i mean i I remember when we had been dating for like five years or something yeah and i was finally like where is this going like what are we doing is this like do you see us getting married or don't you because and i think even when we started dating i said to you like I'm not, like, just dating around. Like, I'm dating to find my, like, person. Yeah. And I think, like, being very forthcoming from that can be intimidating. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it it kind of gives the idea of this is what I'm thinking about. Right. And it puts it on, like, your radar, too. Yeah. And so he's putting it on Rory's radar. Like, this is something I'm thinking about mm-hmm. and like something we need to figure out as you go to college. Yeah. And as I start going to college. And I think it really shows to, I think we kind of see a theme of Dean having a massive inferiority complex mm-hmm. when it comes to Rory. where like, you know, she's Harvard bound and she's, you know, from a good family and he's just kind of this like blue collar putz. Yeah. And yeah, I know firsthand what it's like to have like imposter syndrome and all these like intrusive thoughts about not being good enough and, Mm -hmm. you know, like for yourself, but also for like your partner and stuff like that. And, you know, I really in this moment, I really feel for him. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure things about thing questions like that have been eating at him all along. Yeah. And and it's it's time he just say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah, completely, completely. Well, I think um, and then that's it for that little part. Yeah. And then we get to the next day and they get a phone call and it's Darren Springsteen calling saying he finished looking over all of Rory's records and they're perfect. She's Harvard bound. She should pack her bags. He's going to talk to admissions. He's going to talk to Headmaster Charleston and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so... Lorelai's like you're in you're mm-hmm. basically in yeah she's like well not officially and and they talk about how they have all this stuff planned but then they kind of decide you know I think that stuff can wait 
Let's spend the day together. And I think it is starting to get to the point where they realize their days together are numbered. Yeah, there's big changes coming. And I Mm -hmm. guess maybe that's what the ice cream shop is supposed to symbolize, that, like, there is kind of this upsetting of the status quo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, too... Because that's, that's the last thing we end on, too, is... Yeah, them walking through town and Luke, like, is, shouting at Taylor yeah, about the soda shop. Which I do think it's a funny reversal to how Luke is criticizing, because Taylor writes shop out in, like, the old-fashioned way, where it's yeah. has the extra P.E. at the end. Yeah. And Taylor's like, well, you know, I'm a tenant and I have rights, but Taylor was the one who was giving Luke grief about having his dad's old hardware store sign up. Right. Right. And being like, how can anyone tell it's a diner? And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. I agree. It's a, it's a nice, like, contrast. Yeah. And it's fun. And then you're like, oh, those guys, they're so silly. Well, and you know, too, with Luke, he probably doesn't care about how Taylor spells shop. No. He's just finding anything. Yeah. It's like in Saving Mr. Banks when the Mary Poppins author is like, you can make the movie, but if only only if you don't use the color red. Right. Yeah. Well, and the fact that Taylor had like that sign already made. Yeah. And Luke was like, did you really think I was just going to cave in that easily? And he's like, well, you did. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Yeah. It makes sense. So that's the episode. Yeah. That's it. Uh, let's go into our town meeting. We call this town meeting to order. All right, let's start the town meeting by talking about Dan Palladino's writing in this episode and Gail Marcuso's directing. Is there anything that sticks out to you with either of those? I think as far as maybe a directing note, I did like how the the vignette scene at the end played out. Yeah, that was my like, thing too. Like how you had these three distinct scenes, but it really felt like one scene. Yeah. Yeah, because we like watch the show as we record the podcast mm-hmm. and like stop after each scene so we can really kind of hone in and focus on it. But that was one that we let kind of play out because it all like was inner it was all woven together so yeah. well that it it felt too choppy to kind of like cut it up like that. Yeah. And then there was a moment earlier I wanted to call attention to as well where it's when Paris was yelling at that teacher about her inside voice. Mm-hmm. And they were you know out outside the auditorium or wherever that was first. Oh yeah. And then they go inside and how that was like a continuous shot. Yeah, I feel like they, they don't, don't do that very no, often. Yeah, that you actually see them like travel, even if it is like just going into the room. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it would have been so much easier for them to shoot in a hallway and then instant cut to now they're inside the auditorium. Yeah. So that the spaces didn't actually have to be connected. Right, right. Know? No, that's a really good point. The show doesn't do that very often. Yeah, because it's a lot of like fake sets and, you know. Right. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. And as far as like Dan's writing goes, it's very consistent with Amy's. I mean, he, he, the amount of pop culture references he integrated into this episode is incredible. Yeah. Um, and overwhelming to say the least. Yeah. A lot of them from Lane. Yes, definitely. Um, but it's just, 
when a Paladino writes the episode, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Because you know what you're getting. Right. Yeah. It's it's sort of like the house style. Yeah. It's totally. It's like the chef special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I totally agree. That last scene really stuck out to me as far as this episode goes, where it felt like we were like just like moving throughout the town and watching all yeah. of these different things happen. Um, and even at the end, I loved the ending of the girls walking through the town and this like arguments happening and they're just like, <laughs> those guys. Oh, that small town charm. Yeah, exactly. And so. I, I love like the mirroring of things and the theme, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I do have some trivia questions for you, Bryn. Did... So this will really test your knowledge. Okay. Because... You know, you are not one to be, like, totally engrossed. So put your phone down. Okay. So you're not Googling things. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. In which season did Lorelai and Luke finally get together? Is it season... Season five? It is season five. Okay. I was between Good four and job. five. Good job. Four seemed too early. Okay. The next one. <clears throat> what was the name? Oh, you're not going to know the name of an episode. I won't. I no, won't. no, give it to me. Okay. What was the name of the episode where Luke and Lorelai finally get engaged? Um, a tisket, a tasket. No, I'm just... Are you joking? Yes. Okay, no, it's called I Do, I Do. Mm. Um, let's see. I had one more. Where did it go? Well, you got a whole list of them right there, but you're just cherry-picking. I know. Picking. I'm cherry-picking. Uh, let's see. In which season did Rory and dean break up the first time season one right so it's interesting because this says season two but i do think it's season one because of the i love you thing right yeah yeah they break yeah up. this is incorrect what's that's interesting yeah because they never break up in season two do they like they're still together because i know that's when like jess comes in yeah but... yeah so that's a that is definitely a mistake. Wow. Okay. One more. Okay. What is the name of the episode when Lorelai and Luke have their first official date? Is it a tisket a tasket? No. No. What is with you and a tisket a tasket? Oh, I just like that name for an episode. <laughs> um Don't overthink it. Is it Luke and Lorelai's first date? No, it's just first date. Hmm. I'd say you did okay. Well, thank you. You know, for a show that doesn't (laughs) give you the title of the episode in the episode. This one did. She said the application anxiety. No, but like, you know, some shows will like say. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I get that. That's like, well, Simpsons is the same way. And I feel like peak Simpsons fandom is when you like know which episode is you know and refer to them by their titles right yeah totally um so please send your trivia questions if you have them i will be checking those elise will be checking those um do you want to do pop culture yeah we're gonna do it okay 
Okay. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Um, so send us your trivia questions. That would be amazing. I'll link our email address below. And um, Spotify listeners, you will have a like Q&A part where you can submit your questions. So for pop culture, Bryn, what was your favorite pop culture reference from this episode? Mine is Lorelai makes a comment about they were like putting their heads through a Johnny Bravo standee. Mm-hmm. which we didn't talk about that but yeah yeah um because they were talking about like an influential moment in their lives yeah and lorelei was like what about the time i just loved johnny bravo as a cartoon and a character my mom loves um, johnny bravo the creator van partable he uh created it was like a college film that he made called meso blues mm-hmm. and it was um an Elvis Presley impersonator. And that's where the character of Johnny Bravo came from. He like turned that into the Johnny Bravo character. Okay. So that's, that's why, Hey mama, like he talks like that. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously like our favorite, but he doesn't look like Elvis. No, um, no. And he lives with his gr- mom or yeah. his grandma. And then, uh, one piece of Johnny Bravo trivia I have up my sleeve is, uh, for whatever reason that show became really popular in India like Weird. India freaking loves Johnny Bravo <laughs> to the point that they made a like a TV movie mm-hmm. like well after the series was over that only aired in India called Johnny Bravo goes to Bollywood and it's like a send up of Bollywood but with Johnny Bravo in the middle of it interesting yeah okay just like when you randomly take off somewhere yeah i um my mom, like I said, loves Johnny Bravo. And whenever he comes up, she'll always try to do the Johnny Bravo voice. I'm Johnny Bravo. One of my, I think one of my favorite episodes, at least the one I remember most distinctly, is um, there's one where he goes on a date with a werewolf. Oh. And the whole time is he's like, okay, well, she's only like this for one night. So if, you know, this works out, <laughs> I'll have a really hot girlfriend. And then... uh at the very end, she turns back into a pretty girl, and he's like, "Oh, all right, we gotta go on another date." And she's like, "Oh, well, wait, what's tonight?" And he's like, "Uh, Wednesday night." She's like, "Oh no, on Wednesday nights, I, I turn into a a little fat Andy Melvin who lives in his mom's basement and collects stamps." Oh my god, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. All right. Well, my pop culture reference I kind of already alluded to, but it's the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, they specifically talk about the Brady Bunch variety hour. I'm just going to talk about the Brady Bunch. So the Brady Bunch premiered September 26th, 1969, and it aired until March 8th, 1974 on ABC. It actually was not very popular during its original run. Mm. It didn't become popular until it started to be syndicated. Like reruns. Yeah. And that's when it became popular. So it's actually created by the same guy um, who created uh, your dad's favorite Gilligan's Island. Yeah, Gilligan's Island. So that would be um, Sherwood Schwartz. Mm. Um, So there are five seasons of The Brady Bunch. If you have not watched The Brady Bunch, just, like, give yourself the opportunity to enjoy the campiness that is the Brady family. Mm-hmm. Um, or even watch the incredible movie that came out 
in the like, 90s. In the 90s. That's yeah. like none of the original family members, but very, very fun. And it has some, like, the that movie has some actors in it, too. Who yeah. Kind of came, yeah, like, like Greg comes back for it. Well. But not well, as Greg. What I mean is, like, the actors who are in the movie playing the Bradys kind of became, like, stars themselves. Because wasn't Jan someone who's pretty well known now? Uh, I'm not sure, is but it, I do know it, the woman it, who played Marsha. It's Judd Apatow's wife? No. Uh, was Jan, I think? No. Wait, what am I thinking of? You're thinking of Marsha was Ben Stiller's wife. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Close. Very close. I think I'm on to something, though. I think I'm just... Okay. Okay, I'm going to... You're going to look that up? Yeah. Okay, great. And then, so the show is, like, pretty popular for the theme song because it has all of them in, like, the squares looking at each other. Super cute. Fun. I did learn while, like, doing the research that there have been several spinoffs from the Brady Bunch. So, according to Wikipedia, they've had... um. A few different spinoffs. So the first one was called The Brady Kids, which was an animated Sunday morning cartoon. Um, They also had the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, which is what they watched. That was like a one hour television special that aired on ABC as well. And um, they had the Brady Brides, which Marsha and Jan came back to like do this whole wedding thing. Um, and it kind of followed in like this big project that was called the Brady Bunch 35th anniversary reunion special. Um, and then I remember when I was a kid, there was like a special that came out about like the behind the scenes of the Brady Bunch. And I can't remember what that was called. Is that the one where, did they talk at all about how... The Ray mom like dated the dad, the, the son, the oldest son. Yeah, yeah it was like Florence a lot Henderson. of yeah. There was a lot of very weird um, incestual things. It's yeah. not really incestual because they weren't related, but right. You know what I mean. Um, you were right though. I was wrong about it. It was Marsha I was thinking of. Yeah, being Ben Stiller's wife. Yeah, because I remember seeing her a lot and things and being like, "Gosh, yeah. she looks just like Marsha Brady." Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You know, so and okay. Ru- RuPaul was in the Brady Bunch movie. Yes, as he the was. Guidance counselor. You better work. Um. Yeah. And just to tie in your reference with my reference, Johnny Bravo was actually named after a Brady Bunch episode. Yeah, where, because Greg becomes Johnny Bravo. Yeah, he, like they try to make him do like a new pop singer. Yeah. And they're like, you're going to be Johnny Bravo. Yeah. And that's where I guess the creator got that name from. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. We didn't even plan that, everybody. Right. Okay, um, so. One more. Okay. Just to tie my reference into Gilmore Girls. Um, Seth MacFarlane worked on, I think, like all of season one of Johnny Bravo. Oh, wow. Like that was one of his first like big jobs. And I know that's that's like Gilmore adjacent. Sure. But, you know, I thought it was cool. He's been on Gilmore Girls before. And like, I, I think Dan Palladino was a writer on Family Guy. Got it. So, you know, Alex Borstein has characters on the show, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I just thought that was cool. That was worth mentioning. It is interesting, too, I think, um, 
like thinking about like Gilmore Girls being a like a play on like a non-stereotypical family. Yeah. You could relate the Brady Bunch in that same category. Yeah. Because it was like two widows coming together to make yeah. a blended family. And that was very, I think, kind of unheard of. Yeah, to like at, to, to to at least talk about it. To at least talk about it and like show it on television. Right. Where like cuz I think I think Greg and Carol were like one of the first couples that you saw sleep in the bed together. They were, yeah. Yep. Definitely. Which is crazy. Like That's what, crazy. What prudes. <laughs> they did that whole episode of I Love Lucy where Lucy was pregnant and they couldn't say the word pregnant. I know. They're like, oh. And they slept in like twin beds. Yeah. Just, love that. Um, I just love that. And now you watch Gilmore and, Girls and like well, Luke or and Luke and Lorelai are just like clearly just had sex ca- like sleeping yeah, on the like end of the bed. Casually dating. Yeah. Know? Totally. Um yeah, I, I think there's probably something to the Gilmore Girls together would watch shows like that and be like, that's what a family looks like. Yeah. We're not that. But right. you, know, you, you kind of build it up in your head as like, that's what we should have. Right. Um, well, and I think a lot of people say that like, oh, they're such a Brady Bunch family yeah. without realizing like, no, they went through some and stuff. And right now Netflix is showing a promo for Fuller House. So I oh, feel like totally. that's very on the nose. But um. Uh, that just made me think of, do you remember in WandaVision how, like, the way that show is structured, which I'm not a huge, like, Marvel person, but that show is brilliant because mm-hmm. each episode is, like, a take on a different a dif- series, a different, yeah. like, era of sitcoms. Totally. And you find out that the reason it's like that is because um, Scarlet Witch, Wanda, like, was this poor Russian girl and she, like, grew up watching these like bootleg American sitcoms that they would buy on DVD. Mm -hmm. And that was her like how she understood this is what life is supposed to be like. Right. In the middle of her like war torn house without a roof. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so I just, you know, I I think people really like project a lot of the, the media that they consume and like that that's supposed to be your time capsule for her. Yeah. Something like Brady Bunch, you think that's what the '60s were like, and absolutely, that was that was more like an ideal rather than mm-hmm. yeah, not completely, had that. yeah, definitely. All right, friends, so that's it for this week. Uh, next week's episode is season three, episode four, and that is called. We have the title up. One's got class, and the other one dies. Yeah. This is an episode that I love to hate. All right. (laughs) And if I'm not on it, I will listen. Thank you so much for joining us. Where we lead, you can follow us at underscore growing up Gilmore underscore on all major social media platforms linked in the description below. And remember, life's short. Talk fast. Bye, everyone. Two, three. We're the Lala's. Just kidding.